Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 69, part one of a two-part talk with Irvine, California-based singer-songwriter Brad Kollerick. Brad was in town about three or four weeks ago and uh, did a, a couple of shows and house concerts, and he dropped by to do the, the kitchen table talk here at the house. And um, and I've discovered doing this this interview series the last, oh, two and a half years now, it's kind of building up, that I think... The interviews I almost enjoy the most are because these 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 have become a mix of people that I know, or people that I'm a fan of, or people that are just kind of coming through town who might have a good story, and we arrange to talk. I, I think I almost enjoy the people I really don't know anything about in advance. Um, Brad, I knew a little bit about. He played at my friend Marky Starks at her Kenyan Acoustic Society house concert series, and he also played. Um, a show with my friends Bev, Bev Barnett and Greg Newland at their True Wind Acoustic Fridays show the night before he came by here. And um, so I knew a little bit about him. I knew that if, if they booked him, he was good. Um, but coming by the house, it was fun because we just really just, it was kind of like one of these informal, okay, what do you play? Who are your influences kind of chats? And uh, I hope you find it half as interesting, at least as I did, sitting and talking to Brad. A couple of points about this. Going through these interviews the last couple of years, I've I've learned, and maybe you have too, that a lot of people who are doing music full-time, playing venues and selling CDs isn't the only um, means of music-related income a lot of people have. A lot of things have to supplement that. Uh, if you go way back to Songs and Stories number 14... I interviewed Stevie Coyle, singer-songwriter, fingerstyle guitarist, and very funny, funny performer, Stevie Coyle. Um, Stevie gives guitar lessons at home, on the road, over the internet, and uh, pretty much, you know, all the time he's giving guitar lessons while he's performing and playing, and he has a new CD out, which we'll talk about sometime when we get together. Uh, Casey Jones, more recently, in episode number 62, besides being a singer, songwriter, and producing her own CDs, and touring and playing, she has a company that does... uh, radio promotion for artists towards country radio. So, again, a lot of music-related things that also provide and add up to the income. In the case of Brad, uh, Brad took a 19-year hiatus between recording projects. He got involved in writing and, uh, and, and recording songs for licensing for music for, music for uh, television and uh, movies and commercials. He ended up finding a company called Deep Six, which we'll talk about a little bit in this interview. And uh, only recently has he gone back and really, you know, kind of put his singer-songwriter hat back on. And his latest release is called Lines in the Dirt. The release about a year or so before that was called Cottonwood. And coming up in September, about the time when I get this podcast up on the web and into iTunes, is a, a new release called When I'm Gone. So we're going to hear some pieces of those and talk about actually kind of what he's been doing between projects, talk about Deep Six, and kind of talk about some of his, his songwriting influences in this interview. Um, another couple of points to, that I thought were kind of interesting were um, the idea of assignment writing. Uh, besides writing for commercials and, and television, which we'll talk about, and kind of how he got started doing that back east before he came out to California, 
Uh, Brad recently wrote a song called There. He basically, you know, sent out an, an email and said, you know, if you have any custom songs you'd like written, uh, let me know. And he got a story that really took some work um, to, to get it right. And you'll, you'll hear, you'll actually we'll play part of that song and then we'll hear about that. So let's get to Brad. I want you to hear a couple of things recorded and then we'll get to the talk. And um, let's hear... Let's hear We're Gonna Laugh. It's the opening song off his latest CD, Lines in the Dirt. And I heard this song, and it's just one of those, one of the happiest songs I've ever heard. And it took me a, a second to realize that it's actually a, a Brian Joseph song. And I've seen Brian Joseph a couple of times, another great singer-songwriter, and he and, uh, he, and, he and Brad are pals. So Brad recorded that as the opening track on his latest CD. And we'll also hear a little bit of the song there that, that, that I'm, I want Brad to talk about in the interview so you can hear a little bit about, about, about assignment, assignment writing and kind of what in, was involved in that song. So that'll be part one. And then in part two, we'll have Brad play uh, something off the new album that I really liked a lot. You'll understand why if you know where I live. And then we'll hear something off the upcoming release. So... Uh, if you're new to Songs and Stories, I want to remind you that there are links to go with this interview and everything we're talking about on my website, michaelgather.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Look for the section for Songs and Stories 69 and 70, and we'll, I'll put up links to where Brad's playing, information about the new CD and where he can get his other CDs, as well as a link to Deep Six, his production company. And... Um, I think that's it for now. So uh, here's a little bit of Brad in the recorded mode, and then we'll talk to Brad sitting around the living room at my place. The carburetor's broke, and so are we. I guess we'll ride the bus. But everyone should be jealous of the two of us. Sometimes things get so dang easy In the stillness of the night There 
Yeah, there. That was a song that was uh, I was asked to write. It's mm -hmm. a pretty tragic situation that um, mm. uh, two kids on a family vacation uh, they had a car wreck. Uh, some deer crossed the road in front mm. of them, and the father swerved a little, and they got tangled up with a big rig. And uh, it was a uh, two kids by different mothers. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, Cora and Michael Betts, and uh, so yeah, it was about it was about that situation, and they're oh. sort of unifying their family in some way. Yeah, yeah, I played last year at the Cora Betts annual Royal Ball, their first annual mm -hmm. um, in Denver, and um, I've been invited to come back and do that again. Yeah. Um, this fall, so I'll probably be doing that. There's some, there's some wonderful imagery in that song too. There's, there's half, there's a whole moon in the sky, only half it's looking down on us, and yeah, like that. Yeah. That's kind of you know, significance of the two kids, and you mm -hmm. know, four originally, now two sort of yeah. half are, are still. And I think a lot of the, the the pictures in that song, I think when you lose somebody close, like I, I, I thought it was about parents because I was thinking about my mom, and I, I found myself just letting it kind of loop. Mm. You know, so it, you, you hit a lot of people with that song, I'm sure, which is good. Yeah, for different reasons. But I just, I just, the thing about seeing people in the mountains in the sky, and you know, yeah, it things was, remind you of people that that aren't here anymore, and that kind of takes you back, which is good. It's good to have those things trigger those memories. Yeah, you know, it was it was one of those things. I I decided to put it out there. I've been doing assignment writing for a long time, mm -hmm. I've doing a lot of work in advertising. Yeah. And I decided to uh, put it out there to see if anyone w wanted me to wanted to commission me to write a song. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I, I put that out in an email blast that I'd be willing mm -hmm. to do that, you know, mm -hmm. if, if somebody's interested in having me yeah, do it. And this was the first response I got, which mm -hmm. I, I was immediately regretting having put that out there because. It just seemed it's, like such a such a hard thing to yeah. write about. There, you know, I didn't know where to begin, and yeah. I just uh, I kind of prepared for for it just by uh, I read up on the, the the situation and you know read some of the newspaper uh, accounts of it, and, mm -hmm. and uh, they sent me a transcript of some some of the things that were said at the funeral, mm -hmm. the memorial service. And, and then I, so I read all that and then I, um, got a good, really good night's sleep and just got up in the morning and, and, uh, it sort of poured out of me and, and, mm -hmm. you know, I felt very, uh, blessed to have that happen because sure. uh, I thought it was really going to be a hard, hard thing to do. And mm -hmm. it was, it was relatively easy and well, it's, it's not a it's not a sad song. It's a very poignant song. Yeah. Well, I knew it had to be. You couldn't write such a, a tragic thing. You know, I had could, to keep it uh, hopeful yeah. and you know keep it as positive as I could. Yeah, absolutely. And so I tried to infuse hope and, and light into it. You mm -hmm. know, I think you did. I think it works. Thank you. Yeah. And the thing about you know, I guess the lesson there is careful what you ask for. I would love to write yeah. a song on commission. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did one last year. Like my wife and I fostered for this local organization, Animal Friends Rescue Project, and they got a hold of me and they asked me if I could. You know, they, they do these promotional videos, but they always use copyrighted songs. They said, uh -huh. "Would you be interested in just writing a song for us?" And I 
kind of, I did. It was a real simple little, it wasn't really about dogs and cats, but it was there. I was trying to like, I got to write this whole song without mentioning dogs and cats. And uh-huh. I, was able to, I was able to pull it off. And yeah. So the video people kind of like look at it and cry and send money. So it's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But it's, it's, I, it's a nice, you know, you never know what you're going to get asked to write, but it's a nice challenge, I think, too. Yeah. I got another one request uh, of a song that I've included on this new CD coming out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, about a couple that rush, uh, adopted a little girl from Russia. Mm. And uh, it's about that uh, that situation. And, and it's called Anisia Valentina. Mm. And uh, that was really special to, uh, to write, too. I really yeah. enjoyed you know, writing, putting myself in their um, position it's fun. In, in writing yeah. that. That's good. And for people that, you're doing it for people that aren't songwriters, so that they, for them it's probably just a huge thing to be able to have their story told in musical form. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Uh, uh-huh. The mother is a, is a singer, and we actually had okay. her come out to L.A. and, and record a, a version of it. We did, worked with her on that. Oh, nice. That was, that was great. And we performed it together at one of my shows when mm-hmm. she was in town, so that was kind of neat. And that's for the next CD? Yeah. It's so on. looking back, you did Cottonwood and then Lines in the Dirt. Uh-huh. And now you're doing this new one. So you're, you're pumping out about a, a record a year now. Well. More or less. I, I, I felt a great deal. I went 19 years between records. Yeah, I wanted uh, to get to that. From, from, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, and then I, after coming out with Cottonwood, which it had been so long, I just felt a, a, an incredible, even more pressure to get the second one out so mm-hmm. that, I, so that it, I didn't let another 19 years yeah. go by. So after I have more than twelve songs after nineteen years, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So after lines in the dirt, I took a little more time with this one. It's uh, it's been a. It'll by the time uh, it gets released, it'll be about two years from. uh, That's a good last. Because it really takes you like once you get it. I think. I mean, I've done two. You know, where I'm at, but I think once you get the first one done, you got to spend at least a year going out and kind of playing it and. Yeah. Getting the response and recouping some of what you put into it, you know and. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about that yesterday, about how when I came out with Cottonwood, I didn't start playing live again until after the CD came out. Mm-hmm. So then I'm playing all the songs from the record. And then I'm working on Lines in the Dirt, and I start playing those after the record's out. And I'm like, I'm, I want to get to the point where I'm, I write the stuff, and then I, then I play the stuff out. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of because things sometimes they evolve a little bit uh, live, and I uh-huh. and I sometimes capture those too early. Um, I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I and I would really like to get to the point where I'm I'm writing the stuff, and then I'm out there playing it for six months before going in the studio. That's a really good because things change. And yeah. I think for me, for my writing, I think I've done other kinds of writing too, and this is what I really glummed onto. But I think for me that. The funnest part about writing is sort of the final, final edit and tweaks when you're changing a few words here and there, or maybe this doesn't need a bridge. You know, yeah. like on the new the new record, I had most of my songs had bridges on them, and I cut out like half because it's just it didn't really add to the story, and I just made them longer. But I think when you go out and when you think a song is done, then you start playing it in front of people, and the way you feel about it playing live, and the responses you get, you tweak it. Yeah, and I think it's important to go out and just play that stuff live for a while and kind of mm-hmm. get it where you want, then take it back in the studio. Well, and I'm I'm real uh, grateful to have a producer who he listens to the stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he, he's a little bit removed from it by yeah. the time I take it to him, and uh, I, I've I'm 
lost my perspective on it a little bit, uh, just having played it so much during the writing process. And so I get uh-huh. a fresh take on it. He gives me his thoughts on tightening things up, losing mm-hmm. a bridge or whatever, yeah. uh, or a lyric that might not be working. And so I do, I do make adjustments at that point, and, uh, and mostly really good ones. But mm-hmm. I think there are just still some performance things um, that uh, I would change probably, just, just you know, in the way that I sing it uh, mm-hmm. after, I, after I live with the song yeah. for a little while. I was playing, we, had a, we did Don Quixote's this last week, and then I did a winery last night, but my, we have a harmony singers on my new CD, and we were practicing with a band last week, and I really couldn't practice with Brianna because there was a band thing. I thought, why don't you come by this week, and we'll I just want you on more songs this week. And so mm-hmm. we're working on stuff, and we're going back and forth, and I go, God, I want to go back and re-record all this stuff now. Because I'm finding all these, new, all these new colors and new things, but at some point, I guess you do a live record and go back and give it a different spin or something. Yeah. You know? You know, that's, that's something that I have found that's kind of fun for me is bringing in background vocalists as sort of a color, mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of a last minute, uh, you know, coloring to the song. Um, something, you know, I, 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 I sometimes do a harmony part myself mm-hmm. and then replace it if I, you know, get an idea to bring a yeah. different voice, mm-hmm. a bit different texture in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I use a lot of different uh, people uh, in that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of your influences? Let's talk about people that influenced you. Oh, when I started uh, playing music, uh, I started playing guitar when I was in high school. I mm-hmm. switched over from the trumpet because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it was hard to sing and play trumpet at the same time. Go figure. <laughs> and, and you can't uh, pull out a trumpet at parties and go, hey, you want to hear some Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And when yeah. I... Uh, then when I started playing out in uh, clubs in college, uh, I was playing a lot of James Taylor and mm-hmm. Jackson Brown. And, yeah. You know, a lot of uh, West Coast, um, you know, singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, Eagles, heavily in- influenced by mm-hmm. those, those people. Uh, but James Taylor probably was the biggest uh, influence on me mm-hmm. uh, early on. I uh, got a chance to work with his brother Livingston, um, oh, nice. who I also had a, I had a few of his records uh, mm-hmm. when I was, uh, I played a couple of his songs um, back in that era, and I uh, got a chance to work with him on a couple of uh, corporate projects, um, and then I opened a show with, uh, for him uh, up at Freight and Salvage uh, mm-hmm. a couple years ago, which was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I have not, uh, have not run across James yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of these days. It's a, it's a small musical community. You yeah. never know. You never know. Uh, I wanted to ask you about one song in particular. I like the... Um, I really like like good opening lines on a CD that kind of set the tone. And Lines in the Dirt has... What's the opening line? The carburetor's broken, so are we. Oh, that's... Yeah. That's on the We're Gonna Laugh, which yeah, is a song yeah. that... Uh, one of two covers on that... Um, on that record, that's by my friend Brian Joseph. Okay. Who? Uh, oh yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I know Brian. I've met him before. Yeah, he's great. He's great, and we we did a couple. We did a little tour together. It sounds like Brian West. Joseph. Yeah, actually, it does. yeah. And we, we we spent about two weeks together doing some shows in the Midwest, and and uh, he had me singing with him on that song. Uh-huh. Uh, We're gonna laugh, and I I told him you've written my my life story here. I have to record this yeah. for my next CD. And, it's, great it's a great. It is a great opening line. It's a great song. Yeah. yeah. I love fish tacos, and uh, he talks about uh, mm-hmm. 
Burrito King in, in LA. That's the big sing along when he plays live. <laughs> yeah. Gonna go exactly. have, go have fish tacos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, what about is um, My California one of your songs? Yeah. That sounds very autobiographical. That is. It's That's kind of about my move out here from Nebraska mm-hmm. uh, to California 23 years ago. Yeah. And uh, all my perceptions and misconceptions of the place mm-hmm. that I now call home. So what were some of the misconceptions? Did you come straight to L.A. or did you kind of tool around? No, I, I, I went to L.A. and, okay. and uh, Oh, just, you know, it, there were just so many... Uh, I really had no idea what it would be like, mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, imagined certain things. And when I when I was moving out, I, I spent about two weeks coming out. Uh, I, I lived in... Or I, I spent some time in Colorado previously, and I was thinking about moving back there after a period of time in L.A., mm-hmm. Uh, which never happened, but um, I called the only person I knew in Southern California from Colorado and mm. told him I was moving out. And mm-hmm. um, I thought he lived in L.A. was mm-hmm. my recollection, but he really lived uh, in Santa Ana, which is it's all one big you know mass of people. But yeah, it's it's uh, probably fifty miles away. Um, well, you picture everything below Bakersfield as being Los Angeles. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This big and I, massive sprawl. So I moved. He, he, his roommate was getting married and moving out, so I got a chance to move in. Uh, I had a place to stay uh, when I got there, which was nice. Um, and we then, uh, I, well, I took a part-time job in Beverly Hills, and I was commuting it's just like two hours each way for a five-hour job. And yeah. it was just crazy. Yeah. So I, I didn't uh, stay there that long, about six months. It was a little bit too long, I guess. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I and I used to brag to people about uh, how you can go to the beach and, to, and skiing in the same day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've almost never done either. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I, I've skied one half day at mm-hmm. Mount Baldy um, in my 23 years in California. <laughs> and I've been to the beach a, a half dozen times. Yeah. I just, I'm not a beach guy. So I finally, at a certain point, stopped uh, uh, telling people that because I realized it was just ridiculous and it's never going to happen. I was out there. Well, that, uh, it's great. And the desert. Don't forget the desert's right there, too. Exactly. Well, you're kind of living in the desert, but there's concrete over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Paved desert. Yeah. But it's a good place. You know, it, I, we, we, I, I live now in a, in a community called South Pasadena. It's mm-hmm. a smaller cousin of uh, Pasadena. And it's a, it's a great great spot it's kind of small town um it's good to environment find pockets yeah. yeah nice and uh, i take the train into uh even better my uh studio in hollywood and mm-hmm. you know it's that's nice not to have to fight the traffic and uh, yeah yeah so you know california is so just traffic based even like i, I work over in san jose um, and i drive that hill three days a week and uh-huh People go, how can you drive from Santa Cruz to San Jose? And I think, how can you live in San Jose? <laughs> you know, you end up where you end up. But I think that song, My California, I think, especially this town is, is so heavily immigrant populated. I think a lot of this, that song probably would would, would would resonate with a lot of people. Uh-huh. I think. Yeah. yeah. It seemed to, I played it at a show in the area last night. And, uh, oh, yeah, to, Santa Clara. I'm sure they loved it. Yeah, it yeah. seemed to uh, resonate. Yeah, yeah. That's my new word. I've been overusing. <laughs> I wanted to ask you to talk about too. Is you, you kind of went a long time between you know your record projects. You got involved in advertising. And yeah. You want to talk about Deep Mix and kind of what you're doing with that? Sure. Well, I, 
when I moved out here, I'd, I'd kind of gotten my um, feet wet doing jingles back in Nebraska and doing local and regional clients. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that's probably how I, a way that I could make a, a living um, while pursuing songwriting mm-hmm. and, and my artist stuff. And so it took me uh, a year or so to get in with the company, but I finally got my foot in the door and started working on a little bigger projects. And uh, I think my first big national jingle was for uh, Bonanza Restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got kind of just rode that wave. It, it, it was pretty good money and, and I um, enabled me to eventually buy a home. And, um, but it was very hard to get back to uh, my roots and what I wanted to do um, mm-hmm. as a songwriter and singer. So it, I, it was on, it was just this perpetual back burner thing that I couldn't quite uh, shift gears mm-hmm. uh, to get on. I'm sure to, it's a whole different but, mindset. Yeah. And you were busy, which is good. Yeah, the, the, the work was good. and um, You were getting paid to write music, so that's, yeah, and I, and that I, and I still am. As you mentioned, Deep Mix is my company yeah. uh, in Hollywood, and we do... Um, it's about it's a music supervision company. Mm-hmm. We do about 75% of what we do is, is, is in advertising. Mm-hmm. And of that, about half of that uh, is licensing deals we put together mm-hmm. for um, pop songs or just catalog things and then half of it is original stuff that we produce and I work with a lot of different freelance writers and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's a pretty pretty good area of the business right now it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's not the healthiest of industry uh, you yeah. know the music business uh, but this you know the licensing um, and publishing end of it is, mm-hmm. is pretty strong and I started a publishing company uh, 20 years ago also and I've kind of slowly built that catalog um Nice. So yeah, it deep mix is a is a good steady uh, thing for me. I, mm-hmm. you know, I keep my I keep my hands in that, uh, and I and I am able to go out and, and do shows and mm-hmm. continue to write, and live both lives. Yeah, <laughs> it's good you can do that. Yeah, and you're and you're pumping out a lot of CDs on a regular basis, which is great. So I'm trying to keep it going. Yeah, very cool. Um, you want to play a couple of things? Sure. All right. couple of quick notes about these songs you were talking about. If you uh, like the song there, what you heard there at the beginning and heard the story behind it that, there that Brad was talking about, you can contribute to the uh, Michael and Cora Betts Legacy Fund just by buying the song there off iTunes. There's a link to it on my site under Songs of Story 69 and 70 and there's also there's a link to it from Brad's site, bradcholerick.com and that's Cholerick with one L. There's also a really nice piece of artwork that goes with um, the song there, and that was done by Megan Stringfellow, and I'll put links to that up as well. So, you know how this works? This is Song Stories, and that was part one of, of this interview. We talked to Brad about kind of his influences, where he came from, some song background, and uh, a little bit about Deep Six. Now we're going to hear him play. So if you're up on iTunes, part two of this interview will be magically appearing in probably a week or so. If you're on my site, just click on the next link. And if you're listening to this back in Baltimore on Grateful Dread Radio, I believe part two should be up next Friday evening at 7.30. If you have any comments about this particular episode, you can reach me at michael at michaelgaither.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at 
M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for your time, and do check out part two because we're going to hear, hear Brad play something off the current release and something off the upcoming release. Thanks for your time. Take care.